The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. You know, they, they always talk about, are you a plotter or a pantser? And I would say it's a combination of both because I do want to have the big goalposts in mind, you know, have a beginning, a middle and end before you start, but, you know, not with all the details and things obviously change. So I had mentioned this audio uh, series that I'm working on and I did the same thing. I did an outline of all the episodes and I thought, I knew how it was going to end and I wrote that down. But then when you're actually writing, different ideas come through. And then it wasn't till I was writing the last episode that I decided, ah, this is the ending, you know, because you've been working on this for a while now and, and you have you get different ideas. And I passed it by the producer and she thought it was much better than what I had originally. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Oscar-nominated screenwriter-turned-novelist Iris Yamashita returned to chat with me about the difference between writing for the ear and the screen, using plotting and pantsing, and her anticipated follow-up thriller, Village in the Dark. Iris has been working in Hollywood for over 15 years and was nominated for a Best Original Screenplay Oscar for the movie Letters to Iwo Jima, directed by Clint Eastwood. The sequel to her debut novel, City Under One Roof, is Village in the Dark. Described as a riveting mystery, perfect for fans of Twin Peaks, Mayor of Easttown, and True Detective. An Amazon editor's pick for Best Mystery, Thriller, and Suspense, Kirkus Reviews called the book a sharp and gritty mystery with a compelling sociopolitical undercurrent. Iris continues to work in Hollywood, developing for both film and streaming media, and she has taught screenwriting at UCLA and AFI. In this file, Iris and I discussed why you need to have a beginning, middle, and end no matter what you're writing, what it's like to be both the writer and director as a novelist, how to write for audio drama, why filmmakers don't like to read, learning the rules so you can break them, how to keep your dreams alive, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in 
to help other writers find us. Yes, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by a returned guest. We have our friend, Oscar-nominated scribe and novelist, Irish Yamashita is hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, um, this is cool because I love chatting with authors about craft and, and their latest projects. And of course, um, we get another chance to to pick your brain about all things uh, screenwriting and fiction. But yeah, let's uh, let's wind the clock back a little bit and just talk about kind of where you've been, because I think we talked almost exactly one year ago today um, about the uh, city under one roof. And uh, now we're back with a sequel, which is really cool to see. But yeah, tell us a little bit about kind of what you've been up to the last year. Uh, yes. So City Under One Roof came out um, January last year. So yes, it's been almost uh, almost exactly a year uh, and a month. And Village Village in the Dark came out in February. So very excited. That's pretty much mainly what I've been working on for the past year. Uh, but I've also been working on a audio series, which I'm um, almost done writing, which will be coming out later this year. Amazing. I can't wait to talk about that too. Um, that must be fun. And of course, that's a little bit different, but more similar to the screenwriting stuff, right? Yes, it is. Um, you know, working in different media has been very exciting. Each one has its challenges, its differences, but it's it's kind of fun to, to um, you know, go from heavy description and then audio is uh, heavy dialogue and not mm -hmm. a lot of description. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to try to work those different muscles. Interesting. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Very cool. So uh, yeah, um, let's talk about the latest and um, yeah. How are you feeling now that it's uh, your uh, sequel is out in the world? How, how, what's the vibe over there? Are you feeling pretty confident? Are you um, kind of doing some touring stuff, obviously some promotional things. And um, yeah, what, how are you feeling? Yeah, the the publicity um, end of this is something, you know, I'm not used to because in screenwriting, you know, usually everybody wants to talk to the director and the actors and not as much <laughs> to the writer, but the mm -hmm. on the on the novel, obviously, you're you're it. And <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not something that I was used to, but I'm starting to get a better understanding of. And, you know, the social media aspect also is something I wasn't used to and trying to get caught up on all the social media platforms and what you need to be doing, which is, it seems like it's a, a full-time job in itself. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know how uh, a lot of writers do you know, podcasting like you do. And um, it, it seems like, wow, you, you have another full-time job practically. Yeah, that's really interesting that you raised that point because, you know, um, as we've noted so many times before, even, you know, even as you get bigger and, and more well-known as a, as an author, as a fictionist, as a novelist, as you said, you you are the you are the writer and the director, and you're wearing all these hats because you're also your best um, PR person, right? Unless you're you know unless you're at the stage in your career where you're hiring like a 
an assistant to do that kind of thing. It's really interesting um, that, that, yeah, you've got to wear these different hats. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to brush up some of my Adobe skills. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's, I mean, it's fun. It's, it's, um, it's great to be able to interact, you know, with, with readers and things. That's, that's been very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Um, well, that's cool. And of course, you know, uh, congrats on the reception of the latest called one hell of a follow-up to your debut, among other things, a highly atmospheric suspense thriller. Um, I thought it was cool that Kirkus had noted that it was a sharp, gritty mystery with, um, a compelling, socio-political undercurrent of course that's what some of the, our best fiction does is kind of taps the vein but yeah um since city under one roof now with village in the dark as it's kind of follow-up yeah i mean i'd love to talk about where it goes next but also kind of some of the inspiration that went into the latest yes yeah, so um city under one roof uh as you mentioned it was the first book in the series um, and it takes place in a very isolated city in Alaska, where all uh, 200 and some residents live in a single high-rise building. And the only way to get there is through the single-lane tunnel. And so it's, it's very isolated. It was originally built as a military outpost. And um, so I have the protagonist who is an outsider. She comes from Anchorage who gets kind of trapped into this world. And um, she solves a crime in the first book, but uh, she doesn't think it's related at all to her uh, family, which is her husband and her son went missing when they went hiking. And um, so she believed that they had perished uh, in, a, in a hiking accident. But um, in the second book, it starts with her. She's gotten a clue that maybe there was some foul play involved. So it begins with her exhuming their bodies and getting them autopsied. And so the second book is all, it's more personal. It's about her family and finding answers to what happened to them. Yeah. And of course, raising the question of, will there be a third I didn't originally intend to have a third book, <laughs> but I'm not going to say that I won't be writing a third book. But the idea that I have for my next mystery is in a completely different world with different uh, different protagonists and characters. But I, I mean, it's not to say that I won't come back and revisit this world because I, yeah, I've heard <laughs> so many people giving me suggestions, you know, eh, what about <laughs> you could do this for the third book. And I'm like, hmm. So maybe. <laughs> Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. 
Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. And of course, look forward to whatever comes next for you. And, and again, congrats on the latest village in the dark, which of course we'll link to and your home base there. And uh, we'll connect with you on the socials as well. But yeah, uh, I mean, I would love to talk a little bit about kind of how your process may have evolved. Because, you know, I'll just remind you that the last time you came on, you know, we just got to talk about kind of the the transition for you from from movie world to, um, you know, kind of making this dream of becoming a novelist into reality and how you had originally written it as a TV pilot and then um, kind of transformed into a novel, which is, which is a really cool story. But um, yeah, talk a little bit about, you know, are you still, because you had, you had mentioned something about vomit drafting, which I thought was really a funny way to put it. Of course, we, we all know kind of this, uh, you know, when you get into a, a place where you're just kind of, you feel like you, the words are just coming fast and furious and the ideas and, and obviously um, love to talk about kind of, yeah, how how that process is working out for you now as you as you're looking to the third one. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty similar. I always like to just not edit on the first draft and just um let the creative juices flow, but I I do still like to outline a bit in the beginning. So, you know, they they always talk about are you a plotter or a Pantser. And I would say it's a combination of both because I do want to have the big goalposts in mind, you know, have a beginning, a middle, and end before you start, but, you know, not with all the details and things obviously change. So I had mentioned this audio uh, series that I'm working on, and I did the same thing. I did an outline of all the episodes, and I thought, I knew how it was going to end and I wrote that down. But then when you're actually writing, different ideas come through. And then it wasn't till I was writing the last episode that I decided, ah, this is the ending, you know, because you've been working on this for a while now and and you have you get different ideas. And I passed it by the producer and she thought it was much better than what I had originally. So yeah, so it's a little, it's a little bit of both. You um you don't want to get stuck in kind of writer's block situations. So if you have 
somewhere to go that you've already, you know, you've outlined and you can try that first and then, um, and then go back and change everything later. So that's why I call it the vomit draft. Yeah. I like that, um, idea of kind of it being iterative, but at the same time, you know, you're not being too rigid as a, a plotter. You're not, you know, you're not plotting out e each minutia, if you will, throughout, but you're just kind of giving yourself that room to play and then uh, change things if needed, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, usually when I uh, do the novel and I'm I'm outlining, it's not going to be more than maybe two sentences in a chapter. So <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not rigid. But you know, sometimes you, if you do have something more detailed already in your mind, you can you can write it down and you don't have to follow it. Though. And of course, I wanted to talk to you because, you know, as you said, you've kind of shifted between these different medias from screenwriting to novel and writing these very taut, like atmospheric, claustrophobic, locked room mysteries to now turning to audio dramas. And as you said, there, there's something very different about audio, right? Because you know, you, you essentially, your characters, as you said, the dialogue piece is in a sense how you're setting the scene, less so uh, in, in cinema, because obviously you're using the camera to show the scene. So talk a little bit about the difference and, and yeah, how, how you are shifting your mindset and how you're kind of, again, um, changing between the mediums and, and what that what that was like for you because is, is this the first audio drama you've written yes it's the first one and yeah a big change because when you're writing screenplays um you know the I, I taught screenwriting and you always say show don't tell and you always uh kind of try to advise against a narrator you know a voiceover because that it tends to take you out of the of the film or the visuals. But then now that I'm writing um, audio only, I, you, you can't show. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. only tell. So I had to throw that out the window. And then the only way sometimes to set the scene is with a voiceover. So now I have a lot of, you know, narration and voiceover. So I, so yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's counter to what I teach visually. So, so it's, it's interesting. It's, it, I did find it, um, a little difficult because I'm like, well, how, they, how, how are you going to know what's going on if all you can do is hear things? And so I have a lot of, uh, written in, uh, sound effects <laughs> mm -hmm. to help set the scene and yeah. voiceover. Yeah. Voiceover. I've, at first I thought, oh, I can, I could probably work something out without doing a lot of voiceover, but once I start, I'm like, no, I, I have to do the voiceover. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So what is the difference in the plotting? Because going from, you know, you're, you're writing a very specific, in a very specific genre in, in fiction, um, you know, in the crime and mystery, then uh, are you, are you sticking in that same kind of milieu? Are you, or, or is this completely, a completely different kind of uh, thing for you? Um, it is a, a historical and it has to do with um, World War II. So they they kind of they sought me out. Mm. Um, so it just kind of landed on my 
Lappin. Um, This was during the writer's strike, so I wasn't allowed to write for screen anyway. And I thought, huh, you know, maybe I should try this. And I had been approached by someone else as well for an audio series, but um, that one I I kind of, I turned down. Um, But then this one, it just because it's an interesting topic, which is about the uh, 442nd, which is um, the only uh, or the all Japanese American regiment that fought during World War II. So the topic really was something that I was interested in. And um, they're, they're usually, this topic has been tried, they've tried to make this uh, as a movie many, many times. I think, and I think because of the budget, it's historical. And then uh, also because, you know, it's it would be an all or mostly Japanese American cast that it's difficult to get made. But um, this one, uh, they already had the budget for it and, um, you know, they really want to make it. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll... I'll give it a go, and um, it's been greenlit, so um, hopefully it'll be out this, uh, they're shooting for fall this year, so. Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, Do you have a working title you can share? Yeah, we don't have a title yet. Okay. (laughs) uh, Yeah, right. I I use a working title, but it's, I'm not sure what it's going to be in the end, but yeah. But it is yeah. about the 442nd, and I, yeah, I think I, I'm focusing on um, the Lost Battalion, which is a, mm-hmm. a big event in the in in the history of the 442nd. If anybody knows, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some pretty serious um, historical fiction, then really. Um, but it's not it's not fictional. It's it's uh, more more um, research heavy. Uh, no, it's very it's it's fictional. Uh, the there are, the events are um, uh, nonfiction, but the uh, characters and um, some of the things that I'm introducing are I don't know if I would say it's sci-fi, but <laughs> mm, mm, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> little bit of out of the box thinking, you know, because I was when I pitched it, um, my idea, I I was wondering, like, do you want to go really traditional or do you want to go out of the box? And they're they all wanted out of the box, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Very cool and very different. Um, yeah, we've spoken with Aaron Tracy about some of his bigger budget audio dramas and and um yeah, he really describes it as, you know, just uh TV for your ears. Oh, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because he was a TV producer and TV writer and and it, it seemed like kind of a natural a natural fit for him, Audible Originals. Something yeah, this like. one is for the uh, for the BBC, BBC oh, cool. World. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's exciting, Iris. Um, congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to get, I don't know, just pick your brain a little bit because as you said, you have taught screenwriting, um, UCLA and AFI. And yeah, and, and of course, if you were to teach the audio drama, I'm sure it would be a completely different course outline. But yeah, talk a little, maybe give us kind of, I don't know, just like a, a, like a mini seminar or your, like your opening salvo for that kind of screenwriting piece, because I'm, I'm always super, super excited to chat with educators about how they approach craft and how they kind of are transmitting, as it were, their expertise to students in a classroom where, you know, a lot, a lot of that learning curve does come from probably being on set or, you know, as you've said, like working with Clint Eastwood, which must have been like really, really intimidating right out of the gates, um, that you just like, the, the, what's the learning curve like? And, and then again, how do you kind of share that with your students? Yes, there is a learning curve in every format. And, uh, you know, what, what you emphasize, as I said, like, whether it's the dialogue or the narration. Um, and I can always, I can always tell when people who started off as novel writers who, you know, wanted to learn screenwriting would, would have heavy description, <laughs> hmm. which, you know, it's great for a novel, but not in a, in a screenplay. Most, um, most people who write screen or who read screenplays don't like to read in general. <laughs> so they don't <laughs> like to see, it's kind of dumb, but they don't like to see long blocks of, you know, black ink. Cause then that means, Oh, I got to read a lot of stuff here. Um, <laughs> they like to see white pages. Um, but, um, I think the tenets of storytelling remain the same. So, um, you know, uh, the three act structure is something I learned in screenwriting. And I think that really helped me when I went, uh, uh, back to writing novels to think in that, in that way, you know, you have your beginning, your middle and your end, and you want to have a climax and you, you know, uh, all the things that you learn in screenwriting, you can carry over and, um, you know, people might think it's formulaic, but it, it works. <laughs> so I always tell my students, yeah, you can change, you know, you don't have to make it formulaic, but learn what the formula is first and then change it, you know, cause you, cause also you usually talk in the, in those terms. And I think you know, learning about how to develop characters is the same also, like what is your character's arc? And so we always talk about that in screenwriting, but I think it's a good thing to to learn about and and use in in other formats as well. Like the, you start off somewhere, and your character ends up somewhere else at the end, um, not just physically, but you know internally. So those those kind of story tenets are useful, I would say, for all forms of writing. And I think uh, even with books nowadays, um, just like 
film, people seem to have shorter attention spans. <laughs> so they like, I've been, I've been learning that people seem to like shorter chapters. And, you know, that's something we teach in screenwriting that, you know, you don't want a scene to go on too long. Uh, generally, you know, you want to, you, in screenwriting, you only have like three to four pages at most for a scene. And usually that's even too long. Um, so it, I'm sure with books, it's a lot, it's a lot freer. You can write really long chapters if you want. But um, it's interesting when I look at comments, how people say, oh, I love the short chapters. <laughs> it makes it easier to read. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, uh, you really are writing page turners. And um, there is something very gratifying about being able to just like churn through, uh, you know, a thriller, a mystery, a crime novel, and to be able to see the progress that you've made. Really yeah, I, th that's a good point. Um, it's it maybe particular to this genre of thriller mystery that you want it to to move a little quicker. Um, obviously, if you're writing literary fiction, then it would you could spend a lot more time and and let it breathe a lot more. But it seems like in this genre, people like quick. Yeah, very interesting. Well, that's cool, and I love um, your take. Your, your kind of uh, mini seminar there. Um, because yeah, as you said, the formulas work and, and it's kind of like you have to learn the rules to be able to break them, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the, the, that three-act structure, once you learn it is like, oh yeah, it's completely applicable um, to really any storytelling modus, uh, which is cool. But yeah, great, great, great stuff. So um, yeah, interesting. Are, are, I can't remember, are you a uh, voting member of the Academy? No, I'm not. And people are always surprised about that. Of course, I can uh, vote for the Writers Guild. But when I, you know, I was, I was a newbie when I got nominated. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about the rules and what you're supposed to do. And I don't think my, my agent knew because she said I was the first person she represented who had been nominated. And so um, we didn't know about the things that you're supposed to do about like campaigning to be a member of the academy, which um, I think they would grant if you were not if you were nominated for an award. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But since we didn't campaign, because um, you do have to get uh, <laughs> yeah. endorsements from other academy writers, and I had no clue about any of that stuff. And then uh, later, I found out. Uh, you know, that that's what you're supposed to do. But by then it was too late. And then I did, you know, I did kind of ask later the Academy, do you, you know, is, is it okay if, you know, you're past uh, Academy nominee? And they kind of said no. <laughs> so hmm, Interesting. Didn't know, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know all the rules and it seemed like when I found out it was a little too late. Well, that is really interesting. So yeah, as it is uh, Oscar season, and um, we have you uh, on the line here, on the hook. Can you talk about some of your favorite films um, of late or any nominees that you're kind of rooting for? I really like Perfect Days, which is the foreign language uh, or foreign, is it foreign film uh, nominee from Japan, um, Vim Fenders hit directed. And um, it's just such a beautiful, quiet, but beautiful film that is one that really 
stood out for me. Uh, you know, I did I did like the popular ones like Barbie and Oppenheimer, and I'm sure <laughs> Oppenheimer's going to take away a lot of awards, which that's fine too. Um, <laughs> I mean, ah. I, I, I did enjoy watching them. Okay. Um, um, I'm going to be candid and admit that I have seen neither, which I'm sure is, is ab ab abhorrent to listeners. But uh, yes, sadly, I haven't seen either. <laughs> so I, I guess I need to, I need to, to quickly uh, brush up. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I haven't watched all the nominations either, but uh, yeah, those I I I w actually went to see at a theater, so that's I guess that's why they kind of I remember them. Um, there are, there are other films that are uh, that were interesting that were again smaller films. No, but the title of one is uh, I th oh I think it was called American Fiction. Oh, right? oh yeah, right 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 so, yeah because that's looks about. Great. Um, writing. So yeah. <laughs> I did, I did really enjoy, uh, watching that one as well. Very cool. Well, um, I definitely want to check out perfect days. I'm a big fan of Vim vendors, um, from way back. Of course they make you watch Vim vendors. Uh, if you go to film school, <laughs> uh, which I, I didn't, but I took, I was jealous and I took film courses, um, as electives and, um, I love Vim vendors early stuff, but yeah, American fiction looks amazing. And so that might be um, next on my list for sure. Iris, thank you so much for taking the time to do this again. Um, of course we wish you the best of luck. I'd love to get your final thoughts on just keeping those writing dreams alive before we wrap here. And of course I will point at village in the dark, the sequel, uh, of course, to your, um, very well received sitting under one roof, these claustrophobic atmospheric, uh, novels of yours, but yeah, we look forward to the, whatever comes next. So you have to come back and wrap with us again, but yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For village um, in the dark, if you read city under one roof and you liked some of the side characters, I bring back a couple in a big way. And um, yeah, the suggestions for my next book is like, Oh, how about bringing out the other characters? Because, you know, I, I do change my voices in each book, each book has three um, points of view. And um, so other than the protagonist, I, I have two different uh, points of view in the second book. So hope you'll pick, pick that up. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about, about it coming out and the reactions that I've gotten so far. Awesome. Yeah. Um, again, congrats. And uh, yeah, just, I don't know, just maybe your final thought to your fellow scribes, your final um, advice on just keeping the dream alive. Yeah, yeah. Like as I've as I've mentioned, I've I've done um, a lot of different media, and so I've talked before about um, pivoting your career. So if uh, so, for instance, in in screenwriting, when I came across kind of a block of being pigeonholed in this sort of Asian historical space, which is unfortunately very hard to produce. <laughs> yeah. um, you can try pivoting. And so I pivoted to books and now I can write contemporary mysteries. And um, I've even, you know, I've written a musical stage play that was a fantasy. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and a little mindset change. But um, if you 
you want your creative juices flowing, um, sometimes you can you can pivot and you can try a different form, a different media outlet. Different mediums, definitely great advice. And again, we thank you for your time, your words, your wisdom. And uh, yeah, we hope you come back in the future and uh, tell us about all, all of your uh, latest. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.